welcome to Solve This Murder. I am your detective, Danny. And I am your crime scene criminal and witnesses, Bill. This is part six of The Virtual Victim. In part five, while we already knew that Dave was a bit of a crypto bro, we found his Bitcoin hard drive and he was a millionaire. We also met game designer Emily Shade, finding out that she owned artwork that matched the missing hard disk drive. And she was the mysterious designer that Luke Holloman met with. And during that meeting, someone broke into her house. And on a technical note, we figured out that Josh's video and audio from the night of the murder were separately recorded. So he may have been talking, but not actually playing. So apart from uh, the he who must not be visited, Josh Yang, (laughs) I think I've been everywhere of necessity. I think I've talked to all of the important players. I agree. I think you have in your notes and at your command every piece of information you need to solve this murder. All right, but I'm going to fire my lab guys. They still haven't gotten back to me about fingerprints and things like that. All right. Hoping that'll happen in about 15 minutes or so. What did you send to get fingerprinted? Uh, The knife, the drawers, the front door, and the end table that seemed like it might have been thrown through a window. Ah, lovely. So... Let's figure out what we know. Start with Dave himself. Exactly like his work, he has put all of his skill into charisma and presentation, presence, all of that. Mm. And so that's what we see externally, like on his streams. He looks flashy, he looks cool, he Mm. looks charming. And that's what Nicole, at the very least, sees in him. Doesn't seem so much anyone that has actually properly worked with him feels quite the same way. And even some people like Josh, who haven't really worked with him, also isn't quite seeing him in this favourable light. Yeah. He's a bit of a douche bro. We go back to, it feels like, a few years ago. He worked at Gunpoint Games. Emily Shade also worked there. Similar positions, a little bit of working together, but, you know, under the thumb of a company, they didn't really get to make creative decisions or anything, unless it was on their own time, and even then they had to be a little bit quiet about it. Because that's how industry ownership of you as a creative person works. It's a mess. So, presumably... They were working on things on their own time. And by sheer coincidence of the zeitgeist, they were very similar ideas. If indeed that's all it was. Because Dave, it seemed, has a bit of a habit of creating, out of nowhere, 90% fully formed games. So you think perhaps he didn't design those games himself? It feels a little bit like we are... I haven't found any evidence really... Unless there is something on the colourful hard drive, which I'll get to. I haven't found any evidence of him actively stealing any code or anything from Shattered Worlds. I kind of assumed we were going to get there. But I haven't seen the code of Shattered Worlds. No one has really, unless I went into the legal things, because apparently there have been little lawsuits from indie people. I suppose I could look a little bit more into that and see what evidence they had. I have access to court records, don't I? Yeah. Was there, okay, quick, quick side, quick Google, quick check of the databases. When any of these indie developers come forward and say, oh no, um, Fracture stole my ideas, are any of them actually saying anything more than ideas? Yes, some of the claims that the people have been making is that entire blocks of code or, me- or mechanisms that they've built 
seem to have been ripped off in that game. Well, mechanisms and blocks of code are in themselves very different things legally. Exactly. Uh, it looks like things that they were claiming were taken verbatim had just enough change that Dave's lawyers were able to argue, no, that's just how you would code that mm. sort of thing. They had the same idea for a mechanic, and they, of course they did similar code. That's just how you'd get there. And there were enough uh, changes made, or in his what he claims, differences from the beginning, that they couldn't quite win a legal case. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so that makes sense. There is still some plausibility that he did actively steal code and things like that because we have seen he is very good at taking mediocre things and changing them a little bit. We've seen his notebooks and his art and things like that. That's just mm. a skill that he has. And yet it doesn't feel like Emily necessarily is convinced that he stole from her. She seems like she's a bit suspicious that he didn't come up with everything completely uniquely, but doesn't seem like she is outright accusing him of theft. And of course, she may also have been hesitant to accuse him of theft, knowing that you were investigating his murder. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so, fast forward a little bit from there. He creates his game. When did he actually start making Bitcoin millions? I don't know where that fits in the timeline. That was a little while ago, though, right? Yeah, a little while ago. Part of his general lucky streak. <laughs> he probably would have made the similar time to becoming uh, successful as a game developer as well. The game was, pr was uh, successful enough in its own right. Maybe he also used some of that early Bitcoin money to help fund the studio. Right. But he still had millions left over, unrelated to any of his other profits. Now, that's an interesting one, because amazing luck, amazing coincidence. Could he have been out stealing Bitcoin hard drives as well? Who knows? Can't be off the table, but that feels like a bigger thing I would have seen accusations of, and I didn't mm. really see any of that about. So maybe it is just a case of frustrating dude did indeed get lucky. It's definitely happened. Yeah. So he has made Shattered Worlds shortly after Emily Shade releases... A uh, soul of a gun pointed... <laughs> a gun fired by the soul is precious to me. <laughs> yep. The more I say it, the more I like the title. But without the polishing skills that Dave has and the ability to take a good basis and then make it better, without having the art curator to her seven-year-old, it just wasn't seen as favorably, even though people still, who knew games, called it a good game. Yes. It just wasn't... It didn't have the mass appeal. Uh, she was the crush the castle to his angry birds. He's getting the movie deals. She's getting the flash game. Exactly. From there, Dave's company, his new company, Fracture, continues. He's working with Luke. They have a couple more games come out. And again, it follows this similar trajectory of he just suddenly pops out with a 90% complete game and then everyone else has to scramble to turn it into the 100% complete game. But those ones didn't really pan out. Again, as far as I can tell, just luck of the draw. Not every game is a massive success. I also need one more timeline thing clarified. Sure. Here, the party compared to the interview, I know that they were roughly at the same time. What sort of time frame are we talking here? I know they were both roughly two weeks ago. This interview that Luke had with Emily and then Dave throwing a fancy party. I would say that the party had been planned for a little bit, but the interview probably happened the day before the party. Hmm. Interesting. And it was at that party he announced, 
I'm about to start working on a big old game. Exactly. And it's interesting because, so clearly we know that as of a couple of weeks ago, a few things were happening. Luke was looking at going into other projects and he went, he interviewed Emily Shade, expecting Emily to pitch something to him. And it seemed like perhaps, we don't know exactly how much they talked about gay, uh, this pitch that she may have had specifically at the interview, but Nicole has mentioned that Emily was planning a new game, a very vampire-themed game, mm. which just so happens to match exactly what Dave announced at this party of his. He announced that he was going to be, well, not exactly, he announced that he was going to be going on a writing, creating retreat, and then it just so happens that a couple of weeks later, this game that he is teasing and all of the artwork that we have found in his apartment is shifting and moving around bits of vampire art. Which makes it feel like Luke told Dave, all right, I'm going to go and do this interview with Emily Shade. Hope that's okay. Dave, maybe a bit surprised, decided, actually, you know what? I, I like this as an opportunity. And when he knew that the two of them were out to lunch, he went to Emily's place, broke in, there was a recently fixed up window at her place, nabbed presumably her colourful fancy hard drive, I'm assuming, maybe there was other stuff there as well, maybe there were some USBs, maybe notebooks, whatever. In fact, quite possibly notebooks, um, and then rushed him back. Mm. And then the next day through a party, which was already happening, but maybe it was just a, yeah, he randomly throws parties, which as far as his downstairs neighbor, Sarah knows that does just happen. It's not always about work announcements. He just throws parties. And this time he decided to throw in, oh, by the way, I might be starting to work on a new game. And maybe that was all just like opportunistic after having stolen some new goods. So at this point in your recreation, we've got Dave, having possibly stolen the code for Shattered Worlds, it becomes hugely popular. The next few games, maybe he developed them, maybe he stole them from somewhere, have not been as popular. Yep. But now he's in possession of a stolen hard drive, possibly with the code for another game made by the same person who would have designed Shattered Worlds. And he says, oh, I'll, I'll be a around with a big game soon. And it makes a big announcement about it. Yes. So that feels like all that is happening in that through line at the moment. Also for the last number of weeks, X weeks, Dave has been invited onto Nicole Verge's streams to play through games of Shattered Worlds hmm. alongside this mystery, invisible <laughs> Josh figure. He's less we'll invisible than know. he could have been. Well, he's more invisible than he should have been. And to the best of our knowledge, to the best of what we can see, the three of them... Eh, their level of getting along was entirely facilitated by Nicole. She got along with the two of them and was a good bridge, but the other two just did not have personalities that worked, or it doesn't even feel like their personalities clashed. It was just Dave's personality rubbed Josh the wrong way. Just everything about his, who he was, his lifestyle, and let's face it, his undeserved to the, for the most part that we see, lifestyle. And not only that, we had these weird chat people popping up. We learned all about the weird chatter, who is just someone who lives downstairs and isn't great with their boundaries when it comes to these situations. 
But the other one, this odd troll who kept showing up and then getting blocked and then showing up and very mildly abusing Dave a lot, happens to be in much the same way that Emily talked about people she didn't like when we interviewed her. Feels pretty connected. Yes, that language use was very similar. Yeah, crazy. So that's what's been happening over these last weeks of streaming. Mm. And the reason it's probably worth mentioning that now is because of the other thing that happened at the party two weeks ago, which was the this argument that Sarah witnessed, this dispute with the caterers. She presumably wouldn't recognize Josh. Who would? His face is unknown to mankind. Of course. But in general, it was an argument that the caterers had keys, had access to the apartment and did not give them back in the time that they were supposed to, didn't put them back where they should have. And then eventually they were. It didn't take long. This wasn't a long argument. They made their way back. But his keys were just out for a while, question mark, on the keys. And of course, as we all well know and never forgot, (laughs) even for a second, Josh was a caterer. (laughs) Nicole, in fact, confirmed to us that she sort of tried to hook his catering company up for Dave to give him some work. Presumably that's what we're talking about here. So Josh was actually working on Dave's party. He was likely there. Whether he was the one getting scolded for the missing keys, who can say for sure. But he had access to Dave's keys, Dave's apartment. Now that in itself is a little bit interesting. Hmm. Because if keys just happened to be missing for a little while. I don't know how long it takes to copy a key. Let's assume that we've got enough time. Definitely we've had enough time to copy a key. But if you already had the keys, why not use them when you are already in the apartment, able to go in there and look around and stuff? Is it just because there would be other other caterers around? And so it would be a little bit suspicious to go looking at the desk instead of the kitchen? I don't know. But uh, the keys... Could be just as straightforward, and I don't have to overthink it, as, yep, they took it and they had time to copy it. But still possible some question marks there. And I think that's all there is to say about the party. Hmm. I think that's pretty much all there is to say until the day of the murder. So we're zooming forward two weeks to the day of the murder. Stream started at 7pm or so, but it took ages for them to start playing the game. They just chat at the start. Plenty of time. We see Dave on camera. We see Nicole on camera. We do not see Josh on camera. And we can now note, compared to previous streams, his voice, maybe not quite the same. Mm. Just the sound quality is a little bit off. Now, that could just mean that he's had to use a different program, but it seems like they were still using the same one that they always do, which means that the more likely option is that he was using a different device. Like not using his usual fancy microphone, things like that. Mm, it could have been calling in on his phone. Exactly. Or... But beyond that, mostly normal. Although Dave does say that he might give a bit of a tease at the end of the stream about the new project that he's doing. And he does specifically at the start refer to the project as Fangs and Fortune. Oh, he does, does he? He announces he, mm. will, be an- he will be at the end of the stream announcing his new project, mm. Fangs and Fortune. Now, we know that there is quite an audience for this. For instance, we know that Sarah downstairs is watching along with thousands of others. We also know that Emily Shade is no stranger to watching these streams, coming in to insult Dave for a while, and then as soon as she gets blocked, creating a new account and trying again. 
So she is very much aware of these streams happening. She sees a bit of Shattered World. She gets a bit mad. I can only imagine that she would get particularly mad at this one, not only for Dave coming in and cheekily saying, hey, I'm coming up with what sounds like a vampire game, but on the stream, her hard drive is sitting right there in plain view. You're right. That was seen in the footage. So th- that hard drive was there. the only reason we knew of its existence. And he said, I'm announcing a new Fangs and Fortune project. Hmm. So we could take this very simply as a, oh no, Emily saw this happening, got mad, drove over there and got in an altercation with him and wanted her hard drive back. Could be as simple as that, if not for a few question marks going on. Yeah, so what are these question marks? Oh, there's the case of her ironclad alibi. Well, you didn't oh, believe man. Maria? That's a head scratcher, that is. Who, who's de- who, can, who definitely the said that between 8.30 the minister's friend. and 9.30, her old friend Emily was getting her hair cut there. That seems like an ironclad yeah, alibi right. to me. How's Emily's hair looking? I think you described her I as darker. I believe I described her as frizzled and unkempt. <laughs> well, who doesn't electrify themselves two days after getting their hair done? Of course, of course. <sighs> so, yes, so, so I'm just going to say some possible question marks arise there. But the other thing that makes this more curious, now I wouldn't be surprised if Emily was a regular GamerCon attendee, I don't know much about this con, and didn't really look into it, I didn't search anyone's closets, but I find it very doubtful that she could drive over and walk into the building twice. Yes. So, Sarah believed that she saw the same person going into the lift, and then seemingly either staying in the lift or going in the lift a second time going up and then only coming out once. Those were things that she saw on her way to and from the shop and forgetting her wallet and all of that stuff. Yeah. And to our perspective, that feels like it means there were actually two people dressed very similarly. Two GamerCon jackets. Any of these people that we've talked about could have a GamerCon jacket. I assume they all go. I will say fun fact. Mm -hmm. Every single person in this story owns a GamerCon hoodie. (laughs) Outstanding. So what we appear to have is two people, one of whom went up, and the timing of that coincides with this mysterious trip hazard that Dave encountered while he'd just put on the VR headset not long ago and was playing the game, Mm. which he didn't really seem to care too much about. No, you saw his avatar sort of searching around the ground for Mm. what he tripped on, and he couldn't find anything and sort of shrugged. Yeah. And then some minutes later was when the actual altercation started. And what it's starting to feel like timing-wise is those two things were caused by the two different people who entered the apartment. So two people go in, one of them just skulking and tripping, just being a bit of a troll, and the other one killing. The interesting part is, which one is Emily? Hmm. And whichever one Emily was, was she the person who also smashed a window feels like it could be a fitting thing considering Dave smashed her window two weeks ago or is she the one who simply went down in the lift again and left by the front door were those two different people I have no idea at this stage what's going on with the exits either so from there going on to who is the second person I don't think there's too much question that person number two we gotta look at Josh he was using Quite possibly his phone. He was on the move. He wasn't actually playing this game at all because from about 8.50 onwards, 
he wasn't even talking, and the only movement his character was doing seemed reminiscent of a Roomba and a sippy bird. <laughs> and I'm sticking to that story, no matter what. Perfect. We also heard what could have been a car speeding away on his audio at some point. So it really feels like there was a moment in here where he decided, I guess just because if he's on stream, how could he have been somewhere else was a solid alibi. And he took that opportunity to go over to jo to Dave's place and do some shenanigans. And what level of shenanigans and which person he was, we've got some questions here. Yeah, we do. The only real motive that Josh has is bitterness over dude has masses of success and brags very openly about it and says, oh, here's exactly where I keep my stash and doesn't really have that much consideration for how that comes across to people around him. Mm. He, he doesn't seem like he has necessarily deserved everything he has got. So it feels like it would make sense for Josh to be the petty thefter in this situation. Emily has some bigger life anger uh, where she was personally victimised by Dave. Josh was not personally victimised by Dave, but just felt it. <laughs> just got it all radiating off on him. So Josh feels like the sort of person who would go, hey, let's just do a bit of harmless taking from the dude who has everything. Mm. It doesn't feel like a murdery sort of thing. Which leads me to wonder, was he the one who went in first? The one who that caused a trip, the, the little petty harm, but didn't actually go and have an argument and kill him. For one thing, it doesn't seem likely that the one that he that Dave had a discussion with was Josh, because that would have made the stream look a lot weirder. I assume we would have seen a wait, like he lifted the visor up and went, "Hey, wait, what? Put the visa back, the visor back on, and look in the game again." Mm, and fair. then off, he may have been look, more confused about yes, that. Yes, we may have heard some words that went, "Wait, what? Why are you? Why aren't? Are you not?" and little things like that. But those were not the words that we heard Dave say. We didn't hear very much. He muted most of the conversation. Yes. Would you like me to go back over for everyone at home, the words that we heard Dave say? Uh, all I have written down in my notes, right before he went mute, and but after he had taken his visor off, were, I know you think that... Yes. It was holding hands to protect his head. Okay, okay, stop. Looking head straight up. What are you doing here? Well, well, hey, hey, we can talk about this. I know you think that... Wait, let me mute. Mm. An argument proceeds in silence. And then, turning back around... Sorry about that. I just had to... Ah! Yeah. That, is, that was the word. Yes. Now, I will note, uh, what are you doing here is a curious one. As far as not, how did you get in here? <laughs> just, just a slight variant that, that's true, that's that surprises true. me. It could have been. How did you get in <laughs> But in general, I don't think that's of amazing importance there. And again, this very much strikes it as, as feeling like this would have been Emily rather than Josh. Because I'm not sure how much awareness Dave had of any negative feelings Josh might have had towards him. I think he could have been completely oblivious to all that. It's yeah. a little bit hard to say. But yeah, he was outright showing off all of the stuff that he had stolen from Emily right on his stream and right beside him in front of him. If she had walked in, she could have just picked up a thing and stared at him and then he would have known exactly what she was talking about. Good, as straightforward as that. 
maybe she hit him in the head with a hard drive. That being said, she did not seem like she was aware of the hard drive after the murder. And after all this had happened, when I was chatting with her at her place, she was trying to hint around, ask if anything had been taken. Which leads me back to believe, again, Josh was aware that Dave had a hard drive full of Bitcoin and he would have likely seen on stream or just been aware of what hard drives look like in general. He would have known, he would have immediately spotted this shiny, colorful hard drive and went, oh great, that must be Dave's hard drive, nabbed it before Emily came into the picture. The only questions I have now, so it feels like it is a, perhaps, Josh came in first, was just like crawling around on the floor, maybe opening up a couple of drawers, anything that could have easily got in Dave's way and tripped him. And then Dave did not take off his visor to look for what the obstacle was, just felt around. So that was pretty lucky. Mm -hmm. Eventually made his way over to the desk, grabbed a hard drive, and then, uh, question mark, didn't vanish into smoke, but a little bit of a question mark about where he is at this point. And then mere minutes later, Emily comes in and gets into this loud argument that ends with a murder. And then what happens to her? In or out? Unsure yet. Don't know where these people went. I don't know whether they were both in there at the same time. I couldn't tell you in that way. What I will say, you get a call. Oh! Bring, bring, bring! Oh, thank God. Hello. Okay, hello. It's Please. Me, I'm the boys from the lab. It is about bloody time. We're the I couldn't I couldn't keep going for much longer. With the boffins in the lab. All right, what do you got for me? So, I sent you out for fingerprints yes. like a month ago. Come on. It was actually 2 days ago. It was about 5 to 6 weeks ago, I'll have you know. Very well, I would say. All right. So, I wanted fingerprints on four things. The door? Mhm. Mm the knife? The table? The drawers the on drawers, the desk? On the desk, yes. And the end table? And the end table. That seemed to smash a window. Yes, well, first of all, we had to get all of, we had to get Dave's fingerprints and then take those out of the equation and, and just and remove anything that matched Dave's fingerprints, which usually takes 72 hours in and of itself, but we expedited it for you, your majesty. We did find two other sets of prints in the apartment. Lovely. Two other individuals. Now, they're not in the police database, so we can't identify them. That's but okay. But I can tell you, both sets touched the door in. Mm-hmm. One set touched the door out. Yep, that makes sense. That tracks. And that same set was on the knife mm -hmm. and on the drawers. Great. The other set touched only the door and, from what we could see, the table smashing the window. Mm -hmm. huh. We couldn't get a good identification of any footprint on the crushed glass outside the window. But if you find a shoe with glass in it, let, give us a call. We can check if the glass no, is the set. No, we'll never find these shoes. They don't exist. Okay. Great. That clarifies things potentially a little bit. So what does that clarify? What I am now feeling is that Josh did indeed, came in first, crawled around, accidentally tripped Dave, or maybe on purpose, what do I know? And he went over, he saw the hard drive, he didn't need to rifle through any drawers, because there was a hard drive sitting right there. He grabbed it, thinking that it had his millions on it. And then, he sneaked away. He knew there was a fire escape. Perhaps. Or maybe there was just a moment where Dave looked like he was going to take his headset off. Maybe he was going to spot him. Or maybe a second person started walking in. He dashed over to the other side of the room where he couldn't be seen. And perhaps just was hiding there for this whole time. 
rather than disappearing. Then Emily comes in. Josh is still hiding in the other room and is witness to everything that goes on there. Witnesses the death, knows exactly what happened, maybe not exactly who it is. I don't know on that yet. That would be, God, what a remarkable coincidence for all this bad luck to happen on one night <laughs> if, if the two of them truly didn't know each other. That's my last remaining question. Was this a coincidence or was there a plan there? And then Emily comes in, argues, stabs Dave, and then goes through his things trying to find her hard drive, is unable to find it, leaves, satisfied, whatever, I guess killing him was enough. And then Josh, quite freaked out, realizes he probably can't do the same, grabs something, smashes his way out the fire escape. Mm, if you're in a room with a crazy murderer, yeah. you probably don't want to walk past them in the hall. Not so much. And the stream ended pretty much right after the death happened, so I guess that meant that we didn't hear a smashing sound off to the side. Mm. And so my big thing was trying to figure out how could these two have known each other? This was a double crime. I don't know now. It feels like we're just in this little gamey circle. He didn't know that a murder was going to happen, that's for sure. That seems like it freaked him out. And the fact that they were wearing the same hoodie may have just been a big old coincidence as, yep, this is the shadiest, sneakiest thing that I own. It's a pretty sneaky hoodie. Apparently. It convinced the neighbor that it was only one person doing magic. So yeah, maybe Dave was just that big of a smuggo that he pushed two people at very similar times, although Josh seemed like he had had a plan. He had this sorted for a couple of weeks, whereas Emily's was a lot more of an instant thing, saw the stream, got extra mad, madder than the usual poopy head trolling. Mm. So I think that the last thing that we need to do, maybe you have something else in mind, but uh, I think we take the police cars, uh, we storm over to the invisible man's house, and we check his shoes. You get in the car. You head downstairs, you get ready to check, and you receive another call. What? From Detective Simba. And he says, So, um, I, look, I know you've been investigating, and, and I'm sure you've done a good job. Maybe you know who did it. I don't care. I have, what? Some, I have my own news. I've been scrolling the dark web. Oh, ew, don't do that. Well, we knew the hard drive was missing. I don't know what's on it, but I thought, maybe someone's going to try and sell it or move it. I've been keeping track of it. And I found it. Someone's selling a hard drive that matches that description. And I've seen in the logs, they've arranged to sell it to someone at the old <laughs> abandoned amusement park just down the road in one hour. Oh, what a sting we've got here. Come on, let's go get it. All right, fine. We'll never go to Josh's place. It's just not going to happen. You get in the car. You drive to the abandoned amusement park. It takes you 50 minutes. Yep. You're there 10 minutes before the buy is meant to happen. <laughs> you approach and you see standing. In the middle, just underneath the Ferris wheel, a man, five foot seven-ish. He's wearing, so to reveal his, to, to conceal his face, he's wearing a dark hoodie. And on, you can see on the shoulders of it, even from afar, small specks of broken glass. Oh, that he wow. hasn't been able to get out of the fiber. I'm so good. You see, under his arm, is tucked tightly a bag. And you can, and, and inside is a surprisingly hard disk shaped lump. <laughs> He's looking around, concerned. He doesn't know who's trying to buy this. And that concern seems warranted because striding past you in a 
dark GamerCon hoodie trying to conceal her frizzy hair. Marches Emily Shane. Yeah, that makes sense. With a gun. Oh, what? We don't have those. She does. Oh, man. A gun fired by her soul is precious to her. You jump out. Detective Simba Hold arrives. Hold it in front of you. Josh is a hostage. She'll never 50 shoot. 50 people. They all clamber on top of her before she can get to Josh and finish the job and get her game. Danny, you solved this murder. That was a bit harsh of her at the end. Man, she really went wild there. He just took it. He didn't do the initial moral theft. She loves to kill. Oi. Congratulations, you solved the murder. <laughs> uh, everybody, tune in next week. We're going to break it down. There's going to be an autopsy. Excellent. Solve This Murder is created by Bill Sunderland and Danny Siller as part of the Consume This Media Network. To find out more about all of our shows, you can head to consumethismedia.com. A special thank you to Jared, Devon and Wit from the podcast Advanced Sagebrush and Shootouts for creating our theme music. And thanks to all of you for listening.